What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode Jordan number 23 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe. And what it, I mean, what an absolutely amazing Preakness weekend we had this past week. We'll go over it in this um in this episode along with the late pick five on Friday at Churchill Downs with the return of my own and Crownsway's own smoking Jay in a very nice optional claiming allowance race going five and a half furlongs on the turf should be a great race. The race is around it a little, little sketchy to say the least, but um, obviously we'll take a big dive in here um, to all the races and we will also wrap up Preakness weekend as Howard did yesterday, but um, and then we'll also talk about at the end of the show how the NBA playoffs are going. NHL playoffs are extremely interesting as well. So a lot of sports content to end the show tonight. But again, Preakness or Black Eyed Susan Preakness recap, pick five sports content at the end. Guys, thanks so much, everyone, for joining the show. We're going to go a little bit quicker through the peripherals here today. Just kind of get the show on the road here, as I know none of you like to sit around and listen to me ramble on. But below the video player, bettingandboozing at gmail.com. Um, next, the next show will be tomorrow. Howard, Pete and Paul will be covering the late pick five at Santa Anita on Saturday, including two graded stakes. I believe one is the grade, uh, grade one, which is slipping my mind right now, but please be sure to tune in for that is going to be an absolutely great show with the main boys. Um, that aren't so much boys anymore, obviously, but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, tune into that. If you are interested if you're more of an audio listener please go to apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor those are the three main audio platforms that we upload every single show of betting and boozing and the flagship show on thursday nights too every single week so if you are more of an, uh, an audio listener while you're at work or on the road or anything like that please go to those audio platforms to find where we upload all our shows the power picks a, gr- a pretty good weekend last weekend not as good as the weekend previous Seems like we can't ever capture that really big one on the big days. But, hey, still got one more opportunity this spring at Belmont in two weeks. But um, still, the ROI is absolutely amazing. We're at about 240 now, which is 80 cents more on the ROI than the normal horse player. Um, it's a very affordable tip sheet. Only it works out to $4 a weekend, $15.99 a month, which is how Patreon charges it. They charge it by the month, not the weekend. So, you can get it obviously by going to patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast. And if you get it now, guys, you will get our blowout Belmont edition as well for the same exact price of $4 a weekend. So, and if you are at all interested again, that is patreon.com slash HHH racing podcasts. And if you want to see any previous editions or just want to know anything about us, go to HHH racing podcast.com. And of course, an episode of Betting and Boozing wouldn't be complete without our amazing sponsor of every single Betting and Boozing show, BetUS, a fantastic sports betting casino platform offering up to 200 games a day, 300, 400 different props to bet every single day. When you are depositing money, please use code RACING3H when signing up and you'll get a free 125% back when you deposit $100 or more. Again, thanks so much for to BetUS for not only sponsoring this episode of Betting and Boozing, but for sponsoring every single episode. Guys, like I said, we're not going to spend too much time on the peripherals. We're going to get right into it here, covering the Black Eyed Susan Stakes 
and the Preakness Stakes. And to do that, of course, I need my co-hosts from New Jersey, Patrick Kunsel, and from Charlie Freeman. All the boys are back in town once again. Charlie Freeman, boys, what's going on? Nothing much. Do we really have to talk about the Preakness, though, and the Black Eyed Susan? Hey, you had <laughs> you had the Black Eyed Susan winner. I don't no, know no, no the Preakness though. killed me. I was having such a good day. Mm-hmm. Forget about the Black Eyed Susan. The Preakness just destroyed all of it. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously, Mage not getting up hurts a bunch of us. As all a lot of us did like Mage in the end, but um, when you case, know, yeah, we I was when you walk the dog. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do um, with it. But obviously, we'll go over all that right now. We're gonna probably take about I would say five to seven minutes to cover the two races, and we'll get right into the pick five here. But first race, of course, that we wanted to cover before actually before I get into that, let me take a look at the chat. Christine race. Thank you so much for joining the show. As always, our best supporter, our most astute viewer, as Paul likes to say, Christine, thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Um, <laughs> the sequence is not good. Realistically, Michael, other than Santa Anita, I mean, there's really no other good sequences. This just happens to be the lull time in between the triple crown of you just really yeah, can't find that good of sequences of because not only um, do other not that good of sequences, if there's a good sequence, what makes you think we're going to get it? So the, the, obviously the guys on Thursday take the good sequence, but I may or may not have made an executive decision this week to pick my own horse. But Michael, there's always opportunity and money to be made, especially at a track like Churchill. So it's a good sequence too. So it's, it's a good money or tough or sequence. tough. Yeah. 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 It's a definitely a tough sequence for sure. And obviously, we can go over. We could go over Monday, guys. Memorial. There's a lot of good racing on Memorial Day, but um, sadly for Wednesday, the PPs just frankly don't come out in time. Especially for Belmont or Santa Anita, um, it's not like it's Fairgrounds or Goldstream where they come out a week before. So our hands were kind of tied in that regard. I would love to do a Monday card, but even for Thursday, it's really hard for these guys to do Monday cards, especially since they draw so late. So guys. Um, just bring that out there. So realistically, I, I had no choice. I would, I made an executive decision. Of course, we're going to talk about the big gray man smoking Jay as I am non-biased, of course, but, um, it's going to be an absolutely great show. You're still going to want to pay attention. Christine race saying we, it was worth to go depth in depth on smoking Jay's race, you know, cheap paces, cheap horses pay the same as the great ones. They do Christine. Thanks so much again for having my back as the chat comes after me for which sequence I pick. David Blur- David Barista, thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, the good luck for Smoking Jay, as I love the emojis. Um, do graduates like Charlie and Patrick have a job yet? Man, I don't uh, – Charlie has not graduated yet. Charlie, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm, only halfway, halfway. I'm only halfway through college. And Patrick is the uh, – and he's trying. He's getting there. He's trying. <laughs> He's got the internship. He's trying, but exactly Penn right. Trying's the key word there. Thanks yeah. <laughs> so much for doing the show, Penn State Scott. Greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, Mike Lawson had the winner in the Preakness. Day fell flat. Yeah, I mean it's kind of how it goes, right? When you have a big lead up to a seven horse field, when realistically, um, obviously everything that happened with Baffert earlier in the day, um, and then he comes back to win the Preakness. I mean, it's just it's the look that kind of no one really wanted for the day, but um, it definitely would have been, um, it definitely would have been 
the cap on the day of mage ended up winning, especially for all of us betting wise. And when you look, when you're good like these boys, you don't need a job. No, I wish that was true, man. I really do. I wish I didn't work my desk job every single day, but Hey, you got to make the money somehow to bet these races. Noah, thanks so much, man, for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Hope you're having fun in Kentucky. Maybe you're going to Churchill Downs uh, some weekends coming up here. Thanks. Greatly appreciate it. And H and um, and Howard, the boss, jumps in. Um, bet and boozing, obviously, which is us, is restricted to certain cards based on when they come out. As it was super easy, as I stated, when Gulfstream came out a week in advance, but a lot of these Saturday races or Sunday cards don't come out until, you know, like Thursday. Like I saw um, the Saturday cards for Churchill um, and Santa Anita literally just came out within the past two hours. So to either speed handicapping, it just kind of sucks. And even not even the Monday cards are out. Like the Monday cards won't be out till tomorrow, probably, which um, kind of sucks. But it's just the way it goes. Um, Tanner Hawkins, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Cheers to everyone out there for joining the show. Always much appreciated, guys. We're going into the Black Eyed Susan Stakes, which is first. Obviously, it was happened on Friday as I bring up the PPs. The winner of the 2023 Black Eyed Susan Stakes was given out, granted, in second. But a long shot winner was given out by one of our panelists, Patrick Kunsel. Number 10, taxed over Hoosier Philly. Over FaZa, which I really thought, guys, we're going to watch the replay and we'll go over it for a little bit and then we'll move on to the Preakness. I thought Hoosier Philly was gone at the top. Yeah. I really did. Mm -hmm. And that would have been the absolute probably worst case scenario for my entire day. Um, I had her nowhere. I had a backup bet. Tax was the one horse. I mentioned it on the show. Tax was the one horse that was the logical one that I didn't add just because my my pick five was really expensive. Um, so I ended up playing a backup win bet at 11 to one, which got me home. My, um, my um, God, I cannot in my investment plus some, excuse me, but realistically, I'm going to stop it here right away. And I'm going to put it full. I'm going to keep us on the screen. Then I'll put it full screen. I never in a million years would have thought Merlaza would have gone where she is right now. And maybe it's a tactical thing. Maybe Cox wanted her to be closer um, than what she showed in her last race. I thought I picked Morlaza on top. I thought Morlaza was going to get the trip that Taxed ended up getting, which is the sit behind, you know, right behind the stack of leaders, probably about sixth or fifth coming into the top of the stretch and just absolutely blow by everybody, which I mentioned with the kick she showed at Oaklawn. I thought that's exactly what she was going to do, although apparently not. I mean, three horses dash out for the lead. You see Sacred Wish is going to take back. Uh, Hozier Philly is going to go out to the lead. Merlaza just to her outside. Phase is a little bit wide into the first turn, but she'll tuck in pretty nicely coming up to the top of the turn here. But I mean, you'll see comparative, who I kind of liked a little bit, taxed in between horses here, and then out the back are the rest. But I'm going to skip forward a little bit here. You can see they're still going. I mean, the pace is modest, right? I mean, it's 47 and one. There's not a whole lot of pace on, which obviously is why Hozier Philly stays through. But you can see Faza starts to move early. Merlaza starts to loom too, but you can kind of see she starts to tip at the top. But I mean, Faza is moving way better than she is right now. So I know right here I'm kind of dead in the water. But I mean, tax right here is the gray flying up on the outside. You can see effortlessly moving up um, and comes to the top of the stretch. And right here, you can see, oh, watch Hoosier Philly kicks leads and starts to kick away right here. 
I almost, I, ne- I really did think that she was gone. And then you'll see Tax just restart to reel her in and just absolutely blow by her completely at about the 16th pole and win it by about three and a half. Um, an absolutely great win. I love Rafael Bejarano. He rides a lot of, um, a lot of my horses and Crownsway horses, um, or he has in the past, and he's had pretty decent success, I would say. Uh, riding, you can see Tax won by three and three quarters. Who's your Philly? Faza Balpool, who I actually liked a little bit too, just way too far back. I mean, there was the horse. She was the horse, I think, in second to last coming around the first turn. So realistically, especially the way the track was playing, you're probably never getting home from there, especially with the slower pace that was put on. I mean, all credit to text. I mean, there's nothing really special about this race by any means. Like nothing insane happened. Um, Faza, I was right to say, you know, this might be the race to beat her. Um, shipping for the first time and everything else, but I mean, I just did it with the wrong horse, and that's the way it goes. Um, some most most of the time, that's the way it goes. But um, all credit to Tax and Patrick. Like I said, I know you liked her, and you had her on your ticket, and sadly, you didn't get up to that point. But um, I mean, an absolutely great race. Yeah, no, it was, and um, I I would you know watch replays of Tax and stuff like that, and I I, I did I did like her a lot. I, I just didn't. I should have eyed what Faza was, and you know, just I I watched those races out in California. Thought Faza was above the field, and most so did most people. But I, I really thought Taxed coming in was training well, ran some decent races that just weren't looked at and were under the radar, and you know, just ran above what she ran in the previous and stepped up in class, and it was good to see. Yeah, and that was the you know that was the question. You know, you bring up her PPs here. I mean, you see the second in the fantasy and ninth in the hunting bee and then in the Martha Washington. So all those races to wet paint, um, obvious, I mean, honestly, to me, you know, wet paint ran really kind of a dud in the, um, in the Kentucky Oaks, but race, if horses like this keep coming out of these Oakland races this strong, I mean, that only lends to how really good wet, wet paint actually is. Yeah. And if she can keep it together, um, she's definitely, she's obviously going to be a very nice Philly for Cox and Godolphin, but all credit to tax tax wins with a 90 buyer in that field. And Charlie, I'll get your take on it before we move on. Um, You had Faza as well. And I cannot exactly remember off the top of my head, but I don't think any of us had Hoosier Philly anywhere. Like, it, no. I mean, really a Roth brings up in the chat. Hoosier Philly had throat surgery after two bad races at the fairgrounds. I know she had somewhat, somewhat of an issue obviously seems to be corrected now. Charlie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. So for me in that race, I know I had kind of hinted on the fact that, I mean, I know Faza was the heavy favorite, but I didn't really trust the California horse. Um, so I was kind of someone who was heavily advocating for going deep in this race and trying to find someone to beat the nine. Obviously I was wrong. Um, I believe was the eight Balpool, right? Balpool. Yeah. I believe. It was. Yeah. So that was the horse I was on. And as you kind of touched, I mean, the late kick that I was kind of banking on, to win was there. It's just, as you kind of mentioned, it just was there way too late. I, I just think the eight was sitting way too far off the pace the entire time. And by the time Valport was finally able to get going, there just wasn't enough time. And I was kind of looking at the form in the past where, yeah, Valpool likes to sit off the pace, but it usually, but usually wasn't that far off. So that's when I kind of knew I was in trouble with what at least I was hoping for. As you yeah. kind of touched on, I was also thinking maybe the four would be the other horse. But again, I kind of thought, the four and eight would sit the trip that tax set, That's and neither of them did. 
And so that's why I kind of was like, I knew very quickly I was screwed. I, immediately I was like, the eight's way too far back. The four's way too far forward. So either the nine's just going to prove me wrong and get a win or someone I'm not even considering is going to get the job done. And that's yep. exactly what happened. Yeah, which I said, like I said, I considered tax, but I did not put her on my ticket, which I should have just spent the extra money. But the boss gives us a, uh, you know, we get we get the dollar amount. We have to come under it. But I'm obviously you guys know I'm not a big ticket player usually. So the ninety dollars was big even for me. And I was just one horse off, which comes down to it. And obviously that was only cap- uh, that was only possible because I won by an absolute nostril in the race before with uh, rattle and roll. Mm. But um, Balpool, you can see, like I said, like Charlie was touching on, I mean, in previous races, she sat pretty close to the pace. Granted, the blue numbers indicate pretty cold paces that she sat close to. But as you saw in the replay before, I'm not going to replay it. She got steadied really early. So it wasn't necessarily her fault that she was so far back. But um, she definitely was running at the end, just not enough. Tax easily the best in this race. Um, 11 to 1, a very nice price again, one with a 90 buyer. Tax is your 2023 black-eyed Susan champion and guys to the preakness we're gonna spend a little less on this race just because it's pretty clean cut honestly for the yeah. preakness um i mean national treasure wins for baffert sf racing and john velasquez gets another or finally gets a preakness excuse me um For the triple crown winner yeah exactly so um absolutely i mean really there's no other way to put it absolutely cold pace Walk the dog through the entire first three quarters of the race. Blazing Sevens, I'll t- I will put my I'll put it where my mouth is. I hated that horse going into that race. They, Irad puts him into the race, and I mean, granted, there's no fall apart by any means in this race, but hey, that horse ran extremely well. That's I mean, completely hats off to a Chad Brown training job if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Um, National early voting. I mean, literally, right? It's it's the skip the derby, go to the preakness angle for Chad. He did it with cloud computing and he did it with early voting and now almost did it with blazing sevens. In my opinion, early voting and both cloud computing showed a little more than blazing seven had in the past year, considering blazing sevens hadn't showed anything. But I mean, look, there's nothing you can say. National treasure. Um, you, I'm going to go to the pace figures because obviously that's the biggest part of it. You can see ran 23 and four to the half or the quarter, but then ran a 25 second or 25 second second quarter. Like I, I mean, I don't, I don't care who you are. If you're any good, there's no any only one by a head, might I add. But there's no way you're going to lose, um, in a race like that on the front end. And you can see the times times coming to the line were pretty comparable. Blazing Sevens was faster by faster by 0. 0.02 to Mage. So realistically, Mage ran her ran his race. And just I mean, he sat close like we thought he would. He got out of the gate really well. But in the end, it's just you're not I mean, I don't know if I could say not good enough. Because Mage is an extremely, extremely talented horse. I think the pace scenario just got the better of him. And I will be very interested to see where he goes next in like maybe a Jim Dandy or a, a Haskell maybe or something along those lines for Mage, I'm sure is next. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what comes. I think Jim, I think Jim Dandy, point. probably Jim Dandy Travers go to Saratoga. I would think so. S- something along those lines is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um, Cause 
realistically, it's either you're going to the Tasco or the Jim Dandy is realistically where you're going. So yep. it's for a horse like Mage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, Charlie, there's nothing really else to say this race. Pace makes the race. Yeah, no, this was an agonizing race to watch for me. It was just painful right from the get-go because I knew, you know, in the first quarter, I was a little concerned. I was like, they're going a little slower than I was expecting. But as you kind of touched on, like, wasn't awful, awful. But then that second quarter, that's when I knew it was over. I was like, they are really not moving anymore. John Velasquez, perfect ride, veteran jockey, knew exactly what he was doing with National Treasure and just got everybody to hold up. And I don't know, for me personally, like, as they kind of touched on, like the timing, the times for this race weren't impressive at all. It's really, in my opinion, was a, like, I'm not even just saying this because obviously I had Mage, I was on the Mage bandwagon and wanted Mage to win, but it just quite frankly wasn't a good race, in my opinion. Like, I really thought with how slow they were going and how, you know, like effortless this was for National Treasure and Blazing Sevens, I kind of expected on the turn for them to have a strong kick and pull away from the rest of the field. And it still ended up being like a gritty to the wire battle and not because either one was that impressive. They kind of both just didn't have much, but at the end of the day, the only thing that was going to catch up to them was Mage having a strong kick. And for me, when I watched the Derby, the way I saw Mage show that kick around the final turn looked identical to what I saw in the, uh, what was it? The Florida, Der- was it the Florida, yeah. the race where, yeah, where it, uh, it, quite frankly, Mage should have won, but then Forte just closed. Like I've never seen a horse close before and made easy work, but people again looked over that Mage closed tremendously well but got outshined by forte and so i saw that same type of turn and kick on the derby and so i immediately saw on that turn again also granted the pace was very beneficial for mage but i was like yeah i think mage is legitimately going to win this race i saw that kick the problem was when i saw them turning for home and again i knew the pace it was at that there wasn't anything for mage to close into i i, I knew way back but especially on that turn that mage was done for yeah, this was really, in my opinion, just a really weak race was, again, outside of my bias of wanting Mage was disappointed. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people were saying when I forgot the name of the eight horse, but when the eight horse scratched, a lot of people were, yeah, were saying because that was the other main contender at the time that that like, oh, that helps Mage, whatever. Now Mage is the clear, oh. but I think it hurt Mage because it hurt the pace Correct. and kind of made it easier for National Treasure and Blaze to have a sit back. And I mean, look, all the credit in the world to Chad Brown for making Blaze blazing sevens improve a lot i know it's a horse that every race was bet down and just never showed up and it certainly wasn't improved performance but i still don't think it was anything that impressive to me i just think it ended up being a weak race but again from a gritty perspective i was impressed because the blazing sevens in the past kind of just never really showed up or did anything so there was definitely improvement again all the credit though to john velasquez he he nailed that race um but yeah i'm very excited for the bowman i'm hoping it's a more exciting and lives more up to the ability of the horses that it should be because this did not look like the best horses in the world when i watch that race i mean look absolutely i wouldn't i don't want like i don't want it i'm not betting national treasure not betting blazing seven maybe blazing sevens if he continues to show a little bit of upside i will not touch national treasure again i think I it's do think completely... red one also i forgot somebody in the chat said something yeah. i think red route one is an interesting one because i know like when you just look at the race it wasn't great but again i mean you talk about mage wanting to close red route one needs to close more than pretty much anyone because red route one is like no early speed so I do think if that one, if the Belmont has more pace and Red Route One runs in it, I think you could get a really good price. And I'm not saying it would, it'll win, but I think Red Route One could, at the very least, get somewhere in the money should there be a better pace. Yeah, and look, he, I mean, Red Route One is the horse that has absolutely no early speed, right? And with no oh. pace, you're done for with that horse. Exactly, Patrick. I'll let you touch on something, and then I'll move on. Yeah, and and actually, I was going to say about Red Route One. I thought Red Route 1 kind of like signified what the race was. A closing horse that 
had absolutely no shot and actually closed in the race. I mean, you look at the figures, the horse was closing in a, in the race and came in fourth by seven lengths. It was like, well, uh, yeah, I mean, Redwall wins the horse, right? It drops back by 25. And yes. He closed into fourth. I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he nest uh, and Aroth just took the wind out of my sails. Um, I don't know if he needs distance by any means. I just a horse just has no, like I mean you. It's at this point Steve's just like just let him go, just let him run, and just yep. fly at the end. If you get there, you get there. You don't, you don't. And that's comes down to he's a really nice horse, but yeah, it's just going to need something in front of him, especially in the Belmont. We know how much horses win from the, towards the front that day, and especially if there's no pace on, it might be really hard for a horse like Red Wild One to win. Yeah, and and that's why I think even if you think uh, Red Route One can win, um, coming from off the pace, you if Tapatrice is in, Tapatrice is like the you know not the same horse, probably a better horse, and is going to come from not as far back. Yeah, I agree with you, and it just comes down to the fact that the pace makes the race, and that's just like I yeah. said before, it's exactly what you saw in this race. Yeah, it's why I'm a pace handicapper, and a lot of other people are just because. Of you can spot stuff like this. I mean, three to one basically was a gift on National Treasure, and that's the last thing I want to touch on before I move on. The odds in this race are the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life. The fact that Coffee with Chris and Chase the Chaos are both only ten to one—I couldn't believe it—is yeah, insane. I, I get it for the Derby. Like, I get when they were betting down the long shots in the Derby because everybody saw Rich Strike, and it's a huge field and whatever. But I just don't get it in this race. I understand the field isn't great, but when you have this few horses just being like, oh, I'll just take some 50-1 to one anyway and bet it. Yeah, a lot of this race didn't make sense to me. I don't know, but like I said, it's not, again, it's not just because I wanted Mage and I lost, but it was just such – like, this race for me, the pace signified what it felt like as not just a better, but as a horse racing fan. It just felt like a slow, painful death just like waiting for this race to end. Everything about this yep. race was weird. It didn't make sense. The betting made no sense. I couldn't believe the way the money was getting spread around. I kind of just expected National Treasure and Mage to just get hammered. And then, you know, Blazing Sevens because it's Chad Brown and he wins this race to get some money. Maybe Red Route 1 again. If I mean, I think if the 8 was in, maybe Red Route 1 would make a little more sense for more pace. And then I thought the others would all be 30 to 1 or higher. They should have been. <laughs> I mean, not Red Route they, 1. Yeah, they probably, did nothing. But... I think that these are the top four. Perform yeah, was interesting. Perform was interesting. Probably like mid mid teens. These horse, like these two horses, should have been. This horse should have been two hundred to one. Honestly, yep. that horse was. Oh my god! But I mean, he got fifth. I mean, beat up perform. I mean, what are you gonna do? But realistically, that's it. Is just pace makes the race. Congratulations, to National Treasure, and everyone connected with him. Um, I won't bet him. I won't bet him next race by any means. <laughs> I think just complete beneficial of the pace, but it's, I mean, look, what are you going to do? I mean, no other for the speed scratches. Next thing you know, you're three to one. You win not easily as we thought, but that, that's what was so crazy to me too. I kept, like I said, I kept expecting on that final turn for one of national treasure or blazing sevens or both together to just kick away. Cause they really weren't working hard to get to where they were. Yep. I mean, exactly. I mean, like, right. This was a rough race to watch. I agree. All right, guys, we're moving on. We're going. Yes, it's been a little bit too many. Let's spend a little, bit, little too much time on that, but we'll go quick here. Um, the late pick five at Churchill Downs on Friday starts in race five. It is a $25,000 claimer going in a mile and an eighth on the dirt. Field of six. 
for this first race, as you can see, as I bring up on the screen, the morning line favorite is the number six silver dust for Corey Lannery and um, Thomas Vance, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to bring up the picks right now. And it, we are. Wow. OK, this is something new. How about that? Charlie and Patrick agree <laughs> for once in their lives. Somehow, I've never. I don't think. I think that might be a first, unless instead, if we all. No, agree. no. The race. Yeah, the races when all three of us have agreed, but it's never been just me and Patrick because I'm always the odd man out. Yeah, really. I mean, that's you know, either you're the odd man out or um, Patrick is, but I don't think man, it's I ever been you guys me. Going to go chalk. I didn't think I was going to have a five to one on top and be alike with anybody. I thought nobody was going to have the four. And if Jim is watching us after, I got the third choice, Jim. So, you know, take oh, it for at, what it at is. A huge, at a huge five to two price. Nope, three to one. Oh, three bitch. to one. Sorry. Don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, going to the four right now. The four Arlington legend, my Riley for Ricardo Santana and George Leonard. Patrick, nine you're going year first. Old. Nine years old. Seven nine years young. Come 62. on. Horse hasn't won since March 22, but I'll leave you guys to it. What Patrick, what'd you like about my Barali? Well, this horse uh, won at the distance a little while back. Um, a little bit. And, and got an 81 buyer in that race, but we're looking, you know, a year ago. Um, but, you know, I, listen, this horse uh, last out just did not really run much, um, but has been in the money in the last three races. Um, and I, I, I just think in this race, you know, I was trying to find something with, you know, a horse that might come from off the pace. Cause there is some pace uh, signed on. And I, I just, I, I'm thinking this nine-year-old might show up, you know, and um, this horse, I think will definitely be in the money. It's just going to be, you know, coming from off the pace and hoping running late. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, there's a lot of there's a decent amount of speed in this race, which I'm sure why you guys landed on the four. I, for me personally, with the you know the experience I have with this track, Arlington Legend, I don't want this horse, this nine year old who's only won seven times and hasn't won in over a year at like four to one. It's just not something that I'm comfortable with doing. Um, I get exactly why you guys picked him, though. I mean, it's the pace, right? We were talking about pace makes the race. This, and if he can run back, um, if he can run back to his eighty three seventy nine, this horse does fit. But for me, it's 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 just it's not for me. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Charlie, you have this horse on top as well. Why do you like Brian Barley? Yeah, so for me, it is a lot about the pace. I like that the early figure to 77 isn't bad, and obviously the 98 late is very solid for this field, so this is a horse that will probably sit off the pace. But, you know, maybe it will probably be like third, fourth, fifth place, maybe three lengths or so off the lead, sitting right behind those early leaders. And, again, I mean, look, it, this this is everything of like an Arlington horse you'd watch back in the day. You know, you see that old horse with all the experience in the world that teach all, teaches all the – not youngsters, but younger horses, a lesson and shows up and gets a win. And look, this field just isn't that impressive to me. There's no one that was crazy stand out to me. So I'd rather go for a horse that, again, has shown some consistency. You look other than its last race and you see 83, 72, 79, 78, 82, 77, 78, 77. That's a lot of consistent figures where if it runs that 77 or higher, I think that's enough where the four could be very competitive and win this race. And I mean, you look at it was bet heavily down as the favorite against another legend in PH Factor who ended up winning that race. So clearly the public saw something this horse before. You also look at the works uh, with the four with a 48 and two and a minute and two, 40 and three. So this horse is definitely working 
Ford Lee recently. Um, but yeah, again, in a field where there's no one that really stood out to me, I just liked the pace. I liked a bunch of races other than its last where it had solidly consistent figures. The age doesn't really phase me. You know, maybe again, the experience pays off. And again, I, I know the win hasn't been for a while, but when it comes to uh, a solid enough effort to be competitive and arguably win, that's not that far along the deal from this horse. And again, I, I don't see why the four couldn't win in this spot. Look, the four can definitely win. There's no, no denying if he can run back to his 83 that he showed two back at fairgrounds, this horse definitely works. It's just not something I'm willing to trust at a low price. And again, I completely get it, but I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm going with the number three. What a country from Matt Shirer, Shirer wow, and Louis Saez. Um, this horse fits back at uh, Oakland Park. This horse loves Churchill, four for 10 on the track. Um, six-year-old, newly turned. Um, actually, this month, actually, obviously, horses turn five technically the year the January 1st is when they turn five makes it easier for everything but um if this horse can run, dropping from allowance company a uh, starter allowance company of course but down to the claiming level this horse has shown that it can sit just off pace close well one last its last race at Churchill Downs in November of 2016 granted at the 125 claiming level but if this horse can sit the trip it loves to sit you can see in its last two just a little bit too far back but I'm hoping I can get three to one, seven to two on this horse. And like I said, if this horse sits the trip, I think this horse will get with Louis size being a little more aggressive, putting this horse into the race. I think this horse is extremely logical. Like I said, hopefully at a nice three or seven to two, excuse me. Um, we're pretty much dead even for the rest. So I'm gonna let you guys take the reins and we'll move on. Patrick, I'm gonna let you talk about the number one, which is the other uh, second choice in this race. Cunchin bridge for Steven Asmussen and, Tyler Gaffleone runs runs really well in the synthetic and has back numbers on the dirt. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly right. And um, the horse ran impressively uh, because coming down the stretch, the horse was did not have a clean run at it and found a path and found a way to get up and win. So the horse is very tactical, has shown speed early on and can come from off the pace. And I, I think this horse has a solid chance with uh, at five to two odds on the morning line. Yeah, Charlie, I'll let you touch on a little bit as well, and then I'll let you go into the six. But I thought this horse was going to get pretty decent, pretty close to the pay, uh, the trip that the three is going to get. And I just didn't know. I mean, granted, I know this horse has run really well on the synthetic. The 75, I'm hoping that it's going to take a little bit more than a 75 to win this race, and this horse kind of like bottoms out at that level, which is why I have this horse in third. But, Charlie, um, I'll let you talk about the number one and then finish off the six, and we'll move on. Yeah, so my angle with the one was, again, I personally, even though it doesn't maybe look it, I do see a horse that has been progressing. And I know it's been a little bumpy, but, you know, to see it going from like, you know, a low 60 to a 70, then to a low 50 and a 70, to then basically every race is like high 60s and then into the 70s. I see a horse that is starting to show that, yeah, maybe it, it, it can't get too much higher, but I do think this is a horse that does have every right to step forward a little bit. You also look, obviously had been running a lot in towards the end of 2022 and then has only had one race in March. And then before that, again, it was basically end of 2022, early 2023. So I like that it had that race to get back under its belt. I also think this horse can sit a little closer up on the pace. I'm not saying beyond the lead, but again, kind of be like the first horse to get the first chance to go by the speed. So that was my angle with the one. And, you know, I kind of like betting horses like that where they kind of are the ones to get the first chance and go in by the speed also love the connections 
Um, and as you kind of mentioned, this horse has shown on the dirt and synthetic that it, it can obviously have some decent results. Uh, and so, yeah, that was my angle sort of on the one. I don't, I don't love the price on it, but I think it has a legitimate shot to win here. And then with the six, my angle was, I mean, that last race was awful. But look, it was a really far race, obviously. Um, tough competition as well compared to these hot pace just really a disaster for this horse. Not a good race at all. But you obviously look back. I couldn't leave it off my top three simply because, I mean, you look with that 85, 86 or 85, 85, 86 for the figures perspective. And again, again, it's much tougher. And I mean, personally, I don't buy into the hype on the six. I don't like the odds either. Um, when we get to the tickets later, people will see that. But again, simply with those figures alone, I couldn't not put this horse in my top three. I mean, you definitely need this horse in your top three, for sure. I think this horse is the most logical, even though, talk about another one, this horse has not won since April 10th of 2021. So to put that in perspective with a horse that's probably going to be two to one or lower, I, I not, again, just not for me. And obviously everyone can, you know, trust their own opinions, put their, put their money where they want, but with a horse that's that inconsistent, granted in the money, but hasn't been able to get over the line in two years, that, uh, like I said, that a horse that's going to be nine to five, not for me. But I completely see the horse definitely is the most logical to win off the drop in class. I'm going three six one. Patrick's going four one six, and Charlie's also going four one six. Guys, switching over the PPs right now. The next race is race six. It is going one mile on the dirt, mm-hmm. maiden claiming thirty thousand. Dollars, the morning line favorite as I switch it over is a pretty decent favorite in the number four absolute courage for again, Gaffleone and Asmussen. And what do you know, co-host chalk eating weasels? That's crazy. It's not me this time. Jeff, uh, Jeff, not even on the board there, not wow. even on the board. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, talk $800,000 purchase in this race and he is keeping them off. Yep, and that's cool. And he's 0 for 10 at a $30,000 claiming level. So I'll take my chances. Um, <laughs> hey, listen. Listen, we look at it different ways, but I, I I see your side of it. So, Well, like I said, you guys could tell me why I'm wrong. Charlie, you're up first this time. Absolute courage again. Asmussen, Gaffleone, $800,000 purchase in 2019. And frankly, done jack shit since. Yeah, so I would say the owners of this horse would be, I'd say at the very least, slightly disappointed. I don't think this horse has quite met the expectation they were banking on. Slightly. Uh, but not <laughs> but not on a serious note, yeah. I mean, the horse is rough, but look, the, the angle I kind of took was this. It's a deserved favorite at these odds. People are going to see the purchase price and get excited. People are going to see the connections and get excited and assume at some point this horse has to turn around. For me, it was simply the figures. You, you look at the races it's been in from a competition standpoint, but also the numbers this horse has put up and the fact that it actually has been close to winning in some of its races recently. Every other horse that's run in this race, quite frankly, has just been somehow so unbearably bad that it makes this four horse look really, really solid in this spot. Um, again, as we get into the ticket later, is even though this is – my top choice and have every favorite. I don't have a whole lot of faith in this horse. I don't really think you can have a whole lot of faith in any horse in this field. Um, I, I, but yeah, for me, again, with the connections, with the level of competition, again, the horse certainly wasn't cheap in the past competition. I just feel like if you had to say the most likely winner, it's hard not to look towards the four. Again, simply from a figures perspective, uh, from the pace perspective also, I could see this horse kind of going towards the front or even sitting off a little bit, kind of just doing whatever it wants. And just, again, from a classiness perspective, there's just no excuse for the four not to win. If this four horse doesn't win now, I don't know if this four horse, quite frankly, will ever win again. I, I, or, that's kind of what I'm seeing, honestly. And Patrick, I'll let like you this go. This seems like a well. last ditch effort. 
it, I mean, dropping class back to the down to the thirty thousand dollar claiming level. I mean, this horse just really just cannot seem to win. Yeah, this seems like a last resort for this horse. Um, listen, I was trying to find better. I know me and you, Kyle, both have the one in second, and I uh, I do like yep. the one a little bit, but I just I, I need to see it before to believe it for the uh, the one on the dirt. And I, I just think at the end of the day, the four, like Charlie said, it's just. I think the figures fit in this race as much as it sounds. So, you know, it sounds bad to say the, that these figures fit. I I just think this horse might, might just be better than the, these other horses and the $800,000 purchase will just be looked at as this horse being in a field of a maiden $30,000 claimer and be like, all right, yeah, it's a winner. But the, the one is interesting to me and Kyle, I'll let you elaborate on the one a little bit. Um, I mean, look, I, I actually really like the one and I'll, I'll go to the six after this and then oh, I'll sorry, let, yeah, uh, I didn't, no, you're yeah, good. Six. No worries. Um, and then I'll, um, I'll let Charlie touch on the seven cause I have the seven and third, but the one, an Arrowgate Colt, which usually, I mean, just basing it off generalizations completely, Arrowgate Colts don't run very well on the turf. And I mean, you can go to his sire stats. I mean, you can see on the dirt on dirt routes. He's 55 for 251. That's 21%. Dirt sprints, he's 18%. You go to turf sprint, turf routes, 7%. So realistically, Arrowgate is just not. He was, and you know, rest his rest his soul, but he was not, he's never been a very good turf sire. Granted, there's a lot of turf breeding on the dam side, and the grand dam um of Arrogate had some turf running, but I I mean coming back to the turf. For or coming back to the dirt for Joe Sharp, who and when he drops his horse's maiden claiming off a layoff, he's four for seventeen. Small sample size, but able to get the job done just about twenty five percent of the time. So I'm willing to take. Um, and actually, seven to two is a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. But I think people are seeing the drop. Joe Sharp, Sayas, and this horse will be bet. But I thought the one was extremely interesting from that regard, Patrick. I don't know exactly know what you saw, but um, that was my angle. Yeah, I watched that replay of that turf race at one mile on Keeneland, and that horse just did not take to the turf at all. The running style that that turf that that horse had was just not there on the turf. And I, you know, the horse has not been bet. You know, sixteen to one on debut, twenty five to one. But in this race, um, and for the level that the horse ran at at Kentucky Downs, and then at Keeneland. I mean, who knows? Who's to say this horse doesn't get on the dirt and, you know, freak out? It's just, I'm taking a shot. I agree with you completely. And I mean, at this point, it's not really a shot. It's this horse is seven to two on the morning line. But um, coming off a 16 to 24 buyer, I think this horse coming off the layoff, newly turned three year old, not to mention those turf races were at two years old. So newly turned three year old Joe Sharp off the layoff, Luis Saez, arrogate on the dirt. I think this horse is extremely logical as long as he runs well and takes to the dirt. Um, I have the number six on top crossing Loveberry, Michael Lauer. Look, I know this horse looks really rough and he does. This horse was never bet at all in his first three starts bet heavily in the last race. The 60 really fits. This horse could be on the improve. Um, not newly turned three years old, obviously, but steadily improving. This horse can sit off. He's never really passed too much. But if this horse can sit just off the freaks that run out and who have just been known to just completely fade back, i.e. the four and the five, 
both these horses just granted the four holds on a little bit better than the five, but they both just seem to fade at the end. And if the six can continue to improve, be able to sit behind them. I think this horse definitely has a shot to win this race. And then uh, Charlie number seven is uh first time starter. Good friends, good friends, Brian Lynch, Declan cannon um, ran a bullet last time. I granted in the slop at Churchill, but I mean, for, you're trying to find a new face, right? Yeah, so real quick, what I want to touch on with the six, obviously Arlington legend Jareth Loveberry just ran a great race with two fills. So, you know, he's obviously doing a tremendous job maximizing the most out of the horses that he gets to ride on. And then my angle with the six was, I mean, I know the figures aren't amazing, but to go from a seven to a 12 and then jump all the way to a 48 and a 60, I know those numbers don't sound great, but A, they do fit in this field, and B, to see that major progression, maybe this horse is starting to figure itself out. And when you compare it to some of these other horses who have had a lot more runs, and again, nobody's really done anything to prove themselves, that's why I do like the six a lot in the spot, is again, you're seeing a lot of steady, steady progression, and you're comparing that to horses that haven't done anything. So I think if this horse can take another step forward, which I think is very realistic and possible, the six could be live here. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, touching on the seven, that was my angle. Um, I really do like in maiden races to try to give first-time starters a real good look and see if there's anything there, especially in races like these. I mean, Brian Lynch is also a, tr- a very solid, and in my opinion, underrated trainer in his own right. And again, this field, not impressive. If we touched on this whole time, it's a bunch of horses that have, quite frankly, there's no other way to word it other than been disappointments based off of what they were supposed to be granted. Some maybe weren't supposed to be as good as others, but you see like the races, the one and four ran it and how expensive the four was. Obviously their owners thought they were going to be a lot better. So yeah, my angle with the seven was working forwardly, great trainer, new face. None, no, no horse in this field has really proven themselves, even if some of the figures are better than others. So why couldn't the seven surprise everybody? It certainly wouldn't be crazy compared to these other horses. I mean, I agree. Brian Lynch, just for everyone out there is 11% with first-time starters out of 150 starts and a smaller sample size is when he starts them off in main claiming the first-time starters he wins four for 17 so again just under that 25 percent mark smaller sample size but again training forward decent you're going to get a good price and in this type of field why can't this horse win so i completely agree exactly. with you charlie i'm going 617 pastor's going 416 charlie's going 467 guys last race before we get to the feature race on the card it is race number seven, claiming 40,000, going six furlongs on the dirt. And as I switch over the the picks right now, we're actually a little bit more together, but not by not too much. So not all now we're not all right on top of each other. But the morning line favorite is actually surprised me a little bit. It's the Minnesota bread at the number two Fitzpatrick. For Gaffleone and Joe Sharp, uh, the three, the second choice is for Franklin Arietta and Chris Hartman, and then the third choice is legal deal for Saez and Eddie Keneally. Um, you can see Patrick and I both went with the number three, uh, Devil's Tower, while Charlie make that three, folks, if you're counting at home. <laughs> three in the, a row. For the Three in a row for the boys, <laughs> but number two, Fitzpatrick. Charlie, I'll let you talk about since you have the favorite on top. What you like most about Fitzpatrick? Yeah, so honestly, my angle with Fitzpatrick that I was kind of taking was, again, love the bullet work. Uh, obviously, the early pace is not a concern at all for this horse. It's can it sort of stay to the front. But if you look at some of the other speed in this race, Fitzpatrick does appear to have a better light figure. You can also see uh, it's kind of had to deal with the struggle of running against some other hot paces. 
some very solid competition. But again, for me, it was really what it just came down to and why, to me, I actually wasn't surprised that Fitzpatrick was the favorite, was just the figures are so, so, so consistent. I know the 72 wasn't what, what you'd be looking for, but you look before that, I mean, 83, 87, 85, 83, 82, 84. I mean, that is just what this horse runs. And for me, I know there's other horses that have had similar figures, but not to the same rate that Fitzpatrick has. I also love the connections with Joe Sharp and Tyler Gaffleone. For me, it was just, again, another one of those races where there's no clear-cut standout. Um, quite frankly, the reason these odds are just so low is because we're getting such small fields. But um, for me, yeah, Fitzpatrick was the most consistent, consistently had the best figures of anyone in this field by a long shot in my eyes. Um, and again, you mix that with the connections. I just feel like not that this is necessarily this horse's race to lose, because, again, I don't think anybody's that much better than everyone else. But again, to me, it just seems like the safest bet was Fitzpatrick. I think you're on mute, Kyle. I am on mute. Thank you very much. Uh, host fail, but not to mention this horse is taking a major drop in class, right? Optional yep. claiming 80,000 at Keeneland last time out. Granted, ran absolutely nothing. Minute piece of waters. That was the day I believe I was there. Peaceful Waters just ran away from everybody. But um, off the big drop, Joe Sharp is extremely hot, especially at Churchill right now. Puts the blinkers back on. That's the other angle I had for Fitzpatrick was that this horse has blink had blinkers on for all of his 80 starts. Put Takes the blinkers off last race, runs a complete dud. So puts them back on, drops them in class. This – if. If it's not for this time for this horse, it's it's another one of those that I don't know. This horse won at the eighty at a new you know at N one X and at Aqueduct in March fifth of twenty twenty two. So it hasn't won in over a year. So if it's not this time, what yeah, time can this like horse win? So, um, I mean the connections, everything fits for this horse. But I'm looking elsewhere, and so is Patrick. Patrick, me and you. Why do you like number three, Devil's Tower? Yeah, listen, two back. The horse ran unbelievably well in the mm -hmm. slop um and even three back the horse ran well and it was still an uh, off track and then you look at the fast track and the horse ran kind of bad but i looked i, I rewatched that race and the horse acted up in the lane um and coming down the stretch i, I just it was kind of weird and um i just felt like the horse just didn't have it that day the horse comes back you know works out decent Chris Hartman's a solid trainer and you know i'm gonna get a fair price and i i really think this horse is gonna run nice on a uh uh, on a uh, fast track in this race. Yeah, and pretty cold start for Chris Hartman and Franklin Arietta, to be fair. They're both really, really good in their own right, and just both of them off to a pretty slow Churchill meet. But, I mean, you look at this horse's um, Oaklawn races. I mean, these three races pretty much win this race every single, you know, time of the day, in my opinion, is especially the race that Patrick touched on March 24th. This horse ran into a, you know, a 20 a 23 and a half second quarter after a 22 and one and was still able to run down everybody. And that came back pretty strong as Joe Frazier ended up winning his next race. Um, this horse is also taking a drop in class from starter allowance company. This horse could sit the trip right behind the speed. There's not too much of it in this race, but if this, this horse has won at Churchill before loves the six furlongs, if this horse can get the right trip, I think this horse is extremely extremely live in this spot charlie i'll let you touch on the five and patrick i'll let you touch on the six and then we'll move on to the future race uh charlie you have legal deal in second yeah so um with legal deal again my angle kind of was i, I like obviously the jock pair with louis size you look 
uh, after that disappointing figure with the 70 and a very weak claiming field where it was probably one, I mean, I know the odds weren't bet down on it, but you look at the races in the past and you would probably think that spot really fit for this horse to win. Uh, but then, you know, moved up in level a little bit and had a, a much more solid and respectable effort with Luis Saez last time out. Again, for me, it was just very solid figures for this horse. Another one where it looks like it tends to kind of sit right off the, like just behind the speed. So I just feel like, again, if this horse can get the right trip, I really do like the five in this spot. Um, again, for me, obviously not my top choice, but I think the five is a very realistic winner in this field from both the figures and also just where this horse likes to sit perspective. <clears throat> and then one other horse I was just going to mention real quickly um, was the seven. Again, I, I don't think I need these races that we cover other than the feature race or anything that crazy. And I know the odds are, are, along on, are long on the seven, but I do think it's an interesting horse at 15 to one just because, I mean, the five who I like and who is three to one, only got out finished by this horse and was way off the pace because of a bad start um, by I think like a half a length behind the five or so. So if you are looking for those betting this race for a price or another horse is thrown in on your ticket, maybe if you're trying to pick a favorite with a long odd horse, I do think the seven is a horse where I know the figures aren't incredible, but again, there's no real dominant horse in this field. It's another one of those races where it feels like the main contender is a horse where it's a desperation spot for the horse. And then there's other legit horses, but no one truly convincing. So I was just going to say real quick, if you are looking for a price horse, I think the seven is an interesting look. Seven's extremely interesting. The, the only thing I had with the seven, because I actually thought of, I had the seven in third and switched it. Um, this horse just needs pace. Um, it's for me, even Agreed. back, not even not back here. I mean, this horse ran, one on a completely really on a completely slow pace, but um, I don't know if this horse is that good anymore. And this being frankly for me, it just looks a little slow on paper. But if the horse gets the pace in front of him, this horse definitely has a chance to at least finish in the money. So, Charlie, I completely agree with you, Patrick. Wrap us up with the sixth loss in limbo, Michael Lauer, Ricardo Santana coming over from Oakland. Yeah, coming over from Oakland, speed of the speed. Uh, I'm just afraid this horse might clear the field with Ricardo on board and Ricardo's a solid on the lead uh, jockey. And I, I just think, you know, this horse might catch a piece from being on the lead and, you know, might, you know, fall out of it late, but you never know clearing with speed. I agree. And there's a little bit of other speed in this race. You have the six, the five is going to want to go off the early lead. The four is not slow by any means. The three is not slow, even though I don't think he's fast enough to make the lead. The two is not slow. And the one realistically kind of only has one way to go and she doesn't pass horses very often. So there's definitely enough speed. That's why I like the seven for an underneath play at 15 to one. But um, the six, if the six can get clear, that's the re that's where that horse gets scary, but I don't necessarily see it um, in this spot. So I'm going three, two, five, Patrick's going three, two, six, and Charlie is going two, five, three guys. It's the moment you've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kyle's non, Kentucky Derby. Non-biased opinion, of course. I am a Smoking Jay enthusiast, and I will disclose. Should we do a vote in the chat if you have Smoking Jay in your top three? If I'm in my top three? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> he has uh, top, on top. I have him in the biz. But first, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to bring on a very special guest from back home in Chicago, um, the owner of Crownsway Racing to talk about how he thinks the race is going to shape up. And I guarantee it's not going to be a biased opinion. Tony Rollo. Tony, what's going on, my friend? Hey, boys. How are you guys doing? Hey, Tony. Doing good, man. I see the beverage. I see yeah, the beverage. Wife, in your hand. Ready to go. 
I, 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 I hella respect it, man. Thanks so much for joining the show again. And again, we'll talk about everything smoking Jay in this race. But by the way, both these guys to this side, they're both dead to us. None of them, <laughs> all of them dead to us. And you'll see why at the end of the show. But as I bring up the picks right now, both of them. Yeah, they know. They both want the same exact thing again. This horse, in my opinion, at least, it looks like a three-horse race. Um, But both of them have bound for nowhere on top for Ward and um, I forgot. Again, I'm trying to switch right now. Joel. Oh, yes, even better. Um, Nine years old at four to five for Wesley Ward. (laughs) So you can see the full field, the full field of six um, in this spot. You just might bad beat Brian. It's a really interesting and fun six horse field. And for a, a pretty, a lot of money, really $148,000 purse allowance, optional claiming $175,000. The only horse in for the claim is the number five pirate Rick. And as I switch over the PPs right now, Patrick, you get to go first and tell us, tell me and Tony, how we're somehow going to lose on Friday. Yeah, listen, this horse's last race, um, the outside post did not help whatsoever at all. Was uh, in the two-path early, four-path, uh, you know, in the, after the first uh, quarter. And I, I just thought the horse kicked on very solid late and showed something. And I just think this horse is going to be ahead of, like, Smoke and Jay and the closers, and it's just going to get first beat on all of them. And uh, just I I think the horse is, to be honest, just going to run back to, you know, that 92 buyer, which could win this race. My thing about Bound for Nowhere, especially at a four to five shot, and then I'll let Charlie and Tony touch on him as well. I mean, one, this this horse is nine, frankly, and it's nearing the end of his career. Yeah. Um, th- I don't I really don't think this horse likes to pass. And. Frankly, I don't think he's the fastest horse in this race. I mean, realistically, he passed horses in the New York to Woodbine here in the 2022. Granted, he could have needed a race last time out. Um, but you can see he ended up, ended up fading, passed in a really hot pace in the Highlander, and then front, completely even, front fade, fast pace, close, no pass, no pass, and then pressing the pace. So I will be as far away from this horse as possible vertically wise, especially if this horse is going to be four to five, it's, it's just not for me. And I, it follows a lot of other horses on this field. Granted, this horse is a lot better than those. Um, but four to five on a nine year old for what doesn't like to pass horses. I don't think he's the fastest horse in the race. It's not going to be for me, Charlie. I'll let you touch on what you think about bound for nowhere. I mean, you know where my you you know my connections, you know my bias. If there's a Wesley Ward horse in the field, there's no way that horse isn't first <laughs> or second for me. But uh, no, on a serious note, the figures match the past competition matches. Just as Patrick said, and as I've talked about on some of the races we covered earlier in this show, uh, a lot of people can pick up by now. Uh, in the longer races, I like the closers, but in these shorter races, while I don't like the speed of the speed, I usually like those horses that could, as Patrick mentioned, get the first chance at the speed on that turn. And that's exactly the trip I kind of see for Bound for Nowhere. I see the two sitting just off that early, early speed. I think it gets right. I think it, again, has that first look and goes by them. I do think Smoke and Jay can be coming late. And I do think Babby Brian's a little scary because, as we'll touch on later, love the connections. Chris Amy's obviously an Arlington legend. Um, but Babby Brian continues Actual to Arlington just. Actual Arlington legend. 
yeah, just continues <laughs> to surprise everybody and continues to, uh, you know, either win or be near the win in these races that people don't think it should be, which is why the horse scares me. But um, yeah, and I, I will say for Smoke and Jay, I was very surprised at what the odds were for me because for me, this was a three horse race. I thought Smoke and Jay would be maybe four to one, five to one, six to one. So when I saw 10 to one, I was very surprised. I just, I don't know, these other horses don't do it for me. But again, I just think Smoke and Jay is going to be closing, but won't get the first look like the two will. And yeah, for me, I just don't think anybody is quite on the level it's, of the two horse. But I do think there's other decent horses. They just had no respect for us, Tony. That's really it. They just have no respect. Oh, respectable. No respect. Ten to one. Like, come on. Ten to one. Wow. Ridiculous. Yeah, the odds makers showed no respect. Patrick and I showed no respect. The odds makers were not being very respectful, in my opinion. Absolutely not, Tony. So I'll let you expound on a little bit about Jay and how he's been doing since his last race. His last race, we were we were all there. We thought he had a le- very legitimate shot, and there's never really showed the closing kick that he has shown in his previous races. So, Tony, why are we going to win this race? Well, Jay's been doing great since his last race. Um, I'm just drawing a line through that race for him. Apparently, he's just not a Keeneland kind of horse. Um, just his two races at Keeneland haven't really shown up to be his best. Um, but the race <laughs> at um, the race at Gulfstream was the best, probably the best race he's run in his life. Um, and I'm just going to draw a line through the Keeneland race that has come back wildly tough. If you look at who he ran against that day, um, no balls came up, came back to win the turf, turf sprint at Derby day. Correct. Um, beer can man won the Jim McKay sprint on Preakness day. Yep. Yep. And, um, ice chocolate actually was second in a grade two at Woodbine. So that race might've come up tougher than the Shaker town. I so mean, I'm just going to draw a line through it, say we didn't like the track, but if you go back up to bound for nowhere, um, if he's his prime bound for nowhere, we're probably all running for second. Yep. But he's, I'm a little bit suspicious of the last race at Keeneland. He's a horse that has always fired off the layoff every time in his whole career. And he just wasn't close to a very nice horse in our shop, but never threatened. So at four to five, I wouldn't take much of a look at him. Just Mites, an old war horse, but I think his best days are probably behind him. But it'd be nice to see him go over a million dollars in this start. Mm-hmm. Serves that. Um, the two dirt horses, they're going to have to prove it to me first. And then we're left with Bad Beat Brian, who came out of that Shaker Town. And the Shaker Town really hasn't shown up anybody from out of that race, with the exception of Carvel who did come to beat Phillies, but Fabby Bryan's run his two best races at Keeneland. So I think at Churchill, we're, we had as good a shot as anybody in here. I agree, honestly. And again, no bias, like strictly without the bias. Um, I think he's, sh- I don't think he should be 10 to one. I really don't. So if I'm just going through the entire six race, six horses in this race, just might one way only going. There's no way, especially from the inside, that Colby Hernandez is not sending this horse. Bound for nowhere, like I said, it's going to be close up, but I don't think this horse is going to be on the lead. I don't think he's that fast anymore. And Frank, like I said, have to be, though. I don't think he can pass. Like I said before, I just oh. don't. I, I mean, he's shown to pass before, but as I stated, I mean, it's been in very hot paces. I mean, these 21 and twos at Keeneland, which we know is insane for a track like that. And then Woodbine's 21 and four, which is very fast for that track. 
other than that, I mean, realistically, this horse hasn't shown the ability to pass too much. And coming from probably the third or fourth position, probably closer to the third, I don't know if this horse can get up. Jay, surveillance is one one run one race on dirt or turf and finished a decent third, I guess you can say, in a listed stake behind realistically not not horses that you'll ever come to recognize. Um so he's gonna have to prove it to me. Pirate Rick enter, uh, entered in a race at Delaware. Keep that in mind. But this horse knows one way, basically, and this is going to be a go. This horse has not shown the ability to pass anybody in his recent start. So there's only one way for this horse to be is to go, and he's very fast out of the gate. And then you have Bad Beat Brian, who's also fast out of the gate, and he'll probably be three wide or just off. So realistically i think there's enough pace in this race for jay i think there's um i think jay's getting back to a track that i think favors his running style more as tony touched on and obviously you can continue to expound on the expound on this before we move on um i think he doesn't necessarily like like the keeneland grass especially when it was wet we know um from previous races that he doesn't necessarily like it when it's not firm so getting that getting a bluegrass turf course like that and a little bit on the softer side, um, I talked to Tyler after the race as all of us connections did, except for Tony because Tony was doing more important matters that day uh, or that weekend. But um, t- Tyler really said that he didn't he doesn't think he didn't like the track. He hit him once, he perked up, but he never really got that closing kick to come home like we saw in the Goldstream race. Um, which is a great replay, might I add, for us. But um, I just think he's this race suits him a lot more. There's enough speed to get in this race. And I think he should be third choice, Tony. Yeah, I mean, he's he belongs right in there with these. And if they want to give us ten to one, I'll I'll make a couple, I'll make a friendly, responsible wager. And of course, with the register. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I'll be right there making my very responsible bet on Friday afternoon, right before I fly to Disney world um, on Jay. And hopefully, like I said, he, he hasn't attack the speed and enough late kick to get him home. Um, but Charlie Patrick, I'll let you guys close on a little bit of Jay talk before we move on. Like, do you guys think, I know you guys both have him in third and I know you guys both think bound for nowhere is just a better horse, but is he really that far off of these horses? No, and I mean, Tony kind of put some confidence into me about, you know, you look at the previous races of, um, like, Bad Beat Brian and stuff like that, and uh, you look at the last race on, on Keeneland, obviously smoking, you know, just didn't really like, doesn't like Keeneland. And I listen, I think if the pace, you know, is is fast, he's in there with all of them, and he's got a great shot. And look, I didn't, <laughs> Patrick texted me earlier, he goes, honestly, how, like, how much of a chance does Jay have? Honestly, dot, 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 dot. So he never wanted me to, um, he didn't want me to be completely biased with him, of course, but, um, and Tony, I actually see a chat that we'll move on with, but Charlie, I'll let you touch on a little bit as well. I mean, so yeah. And again, for the people that are watching, so with the PPs that um, Patrick and I are sent, they don't, because of how early they're sent, we don't actually get the odds on these horses. Like you can go research them. Like for me, when I, what I always personally do is make my initial picks and then check the odds and sometimes make adjustments, but usually try to stick to it. I don't really like to be someone who, you know, I actually kind of like it sometimes when you don't see the odds first, 
because then I feel like sometimes when you know you're picking a race, you might naturally be like, oh, I guess I'm not looking at this horse the right way because these are the odds. I guess I should do this or that. But I genuinely thought for this race, I thought that the two would be maybe the two to one favorite or somewhere around there, eight to five. I thought the six would be the second choice at like three or four to one. And I really thought Smoking Jay was going to be the third choice at like five or six to one. That's what I thought it was going to be when I looked at it. And then when I saw the odds were 10 to one, it didn't really change anything for me. It was more so just like, hey, if I were to play this race, maybe I would do an exact uh, two, six, two, three, something like that to have a chance to get some more value. And again, if you're looking for a value play, put more on Smoking Jay. But and again, I, like I know you guys are, have some natural bias, but from a logic perspective, for me, there's no horse with more value in this field than Smoking Jay. Because again, I, I, for me, the two is a little lower than I thought it was going to be. The six is a little bit more value than I thought maybe, but roughly where I expected it. And then the three is a lot higher than I thought. Because, again, for me, it was really a three-horse race. I just didn't see any other horse. And as we've covered basically this whole small field, there's just no other horse that really excites you, whether because they're not meant for the surface or their form's not great or it's evident that they're just going to have to go and then gas out. There's just no one for me outside of the three that we all have, obviously different orders, but the three that we have that stick out to me. And so for me, if everybody feels like a horse is genuinely a top three horse, especially in a field that's not that big 10 to one odds to me again is just genuinely surprising me i didn't think it the three would be anywhere near there so i do think it has a legitimate shot here i agree i really do and then tony i'll have this question for you and then we'll move on to the next race um kenny neely i haven't i don't think i've seen your name before my friend thanks so much for joining the show greatly appreciate it um he asked what happened last time jockey appeared to not try with him from the top of the stretch home big loss i took and was shocked to didn't get, give more effort jockey i mean and that was um that was Tyler Gaffleone last time. And, Ty- and Tony, I love Tyler, but I think we share that same sentiment after the race as well. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see him ride him a little bit harder, but Tyler's won a lot of races, and if he yep. didn't think the horse was was getting a good grip of the turf course, I can't blame him for not beating the horse up in vain. So we'll, we'll give Tyler another shot back here. I'll make sure, I'll make sure I tell him, you know, you got to stay – you got to stay on this horse because he is an honest horse and mm-hmm. needs to be ridden. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he didn't want to beat him up on a turf course that he clearly wasn't getting a good hold of. And, look, I agree with you. And, yeah, Jay is that type of horse where, you know, he does he runs his race. But once you start, once you start, you know, letting him know that, you know, he's in a race is when he starts to really perk up and uh, get a move on. So, Kenny, I hope that answers your question, my friend. Please put any more in the chat if you have them as well. I'm going 3-2-6. Patrick's going 2-6-3, as well as Charlie going 2-6-3. And, Tony, you're welcome to stay on for this race because I know you have a pick five to give out as well. If you want to give out your opinion on this race as well, you're more than welcome to. Oh, um, I'm feeling. <laughs> I love it. And as I switch over the picks, we're actually all in agreement for once, which today has not been – uh the common theme but also if you're keeping track at home jim this one's more for you charlie oh no this he's not the chalk no way he's not the chalk wow interesting okay i was gonna say charlie's well, five for five you've been five you've been four for four brother i don't want to hear that chalk? I, I, had a, I had a five four to one four. on top of the first race. i think i've only done the chalk in one or two races oh, you had the four you had the four that's right in the first race but no, you you were you three three otherwise, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. I got to give you shit where it comes from. But this That's is a fair. field of eight. I thought then the field the favorite was actually gonna be the number seven, so did I. Fieldstone, hundred percent. But the number the actual favorite is number three, Coastal Defense for Martin Garcia and Dale Romans off of a layoff, a pretty decent layoff if I remember correctly. And guys, let's switch over the PPs right now. 
Um, I'm going to bring up, and I'm gonna let Pat, I'm gonna let Charlie go first here. Um, the number seven is Fieldstone for Jonathan Wong and Ricardo Santana. And I mean, to me, this horse just looked looked the best on paper. Yeah, for me again, it was the progression of figures, the decent workouts. I mean, for people who maybe not follow California as well, Jonathan Wong is very well known and successful, more so in California, which is why, you know, I mean, obviously, it, so for me, it was, you know, a little interesting to see it's a horse that hasn't been running in California, but I think he might have one other horse in this race that has been. But um, yeah, for me, again, I thought Fieldstone was the clear cut favorite, not some, you know, eight to five, seven to five dominant horse. But again, when I went to go check the odds, I kind of did assume Fieldstone was the, the obvious choice to be the favorite. I kind of did think I was going to be a lot more chalky on this card with yet another favorite. But yeah, again, I, I like the pace. I like from the early and late perspective that this horse has a lot of speed in both aspects where, you know, it can sit right off the pace and has shown that kick. And again, I mean, for me, I know I have the three and third, and it was simply just because of, um, you know, just from what I did see, I understood. I, I don't know the figure, but I understood why the price you know it's running some very tough competition and again in its heyday this horse destroys this field but i just think the three it's an older horse i think the three's best days are behind it and you know when we get to our tickets later i don't even have the three on my ticket but um yeah again for me it's simply which direction are these horses trending in for the three in its heyday this horse does destroy this field i mean you look at the 96 94 192 figures in grade one and grade two races this horse has no business being in this race but evidently, the fact that it is in this race shows that this horse's days are clear. Its best days are clearly behind it. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I think the three, it's an older horse. I know on some other horses, like the race before with the two horse, we have supported and liked some older horses. So it's not that, you know, I'm being a hypocrite. It's more so those are older horses where they've still shown they've got it and, you know, might not be quite at their peak, but haven't had a tremendous drop off. But, you know, to go from the high 90 figures to, the low 70s is quite a substantial drop-off. And so I think, again, also for a horse to be in this type of field after what it's been in the past, I think the owners and trainers know it too. This horse is beyond past its prime and it's regressing. So I'd rather go with a horse that looks like it's on the up and up than regressing. Yeah, and I'll touch on the seven, Patrick. I'll let you touch on as well. Um, but I agree with you, Charlie. I mean, this horse, granted, going dropping way down, it wasn't off the layoff. It was on the big drop-off is what I was thinking about. But... Um, I just think this horse, like you said, this horse's best days are behind him. And it, when it comes down to the fact that it's a big drop, but I don't even know if a 70, like a mid seven, mid low seventies is going to win this race with a horse that looks like on the improve ran a 79 last race. Right. Find King's ovation who came back to win a 62 50 claimer at Churchill. Yeah. And I was just going to say is we you know what type of price would that horse be in a $30,000 claimer like this? So, um, I'm, I love Fieldstone in this spot. I think this horse can either just sits right off the pace, tips out, goes right by at the top of the stretch. Completely agree with you. And then, um, we'll go to the four and the three to end off here. But Tony, I want to get your take on this race. Where did you see and where did you go in this field? Um, I kind of mimic you guys. I think King's Ovation is a real nice horse. And I just took the three horses that ran right behind him in the last race. I know they were beaten a pretty good distance by him, but King's Ovation was much too good for claiming 30, especially non-winners of three claiming 30, as he went into open 62-5 and dominated in the same fashion. So I'm going to take a shot with um, the one, the six, job security, and the seven, Fieldstone, in my pick five. 
Hey, I, like I said, I love it, and I share. I echo the exact same sentiments that you have. And not to mention, the trainer, Mister Jonathan Wong, runs out of a four, like a five hundred. Um, I'll actually just do it right here for you guys. So, Formulator is amazing. If you if you don't, I highly recommend it. Non sponsor, non ad at all. I completely recommend it. If you go off the claim, out of four hundred and eighty three starts for Jonathan Wong off the claim, he wins one hundred and forty of them. That's almost thirty percent. Off the claim. So uh, for all of what we just mentioned, plus the added stat for Jonathan Wong, I think Fieldstone could be extremely tough in this spot. Charlie, t- Tony touched on that he actually really likes number one. Um, he's got this who ran a distant fourth, but ran fourth in behind that same race for realistically. I looked up this trainer. This trainer has one start before this, and it was in 2022. So brand new trainer coming off of McKeever. Um, what did you like most about he's got this? Yeah, so I was I didn't recognize the trainer to be honest, but yeah, I mean the bullet work certainly caught my attention. Uh, getting Luis Saez in the saddle again, especially for a newer trainer, to me at least speaks volumes. Again, I know this isn't some huge high profile race, but obviously Luis must see something in this world as well. And again, I know the figures aren't crazy, but as as, as much as we were just hyping up the seven field zone, who I think is the horse to beat. I mean, he's got this beat that horse. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but if you're just looking in terms of going against this type of competition in this field, he's got this has shown success in the past. And you look at the comments, obviously, this horse had a slow start, which probably kind of ruined the race from this from the get-go for this horse. Um, and again, we're in a race where there is no clear standout and where it's kind of, you know, the money, will, I don't know where the money will finish, but on the morning light odds, it's back in a horse that's on the regression. I'm just looking for horses where I can see either – based off of excuses or based off of actual, you know, data where there could be progression. I do think this is a horse where the works and if it can not have a slow start, I can see the one progressing. I can see the seven progressing. And that's why for me, they were the two horses that personally stood out to me on paper. I agree. And look, the one definitely can win. And I agree with you in the last race, the slow start is what hurt, but um, I just think the seven's trending in a better direction. I think if the horse continues to improve off its previous races with Wong now, on the training job, I think this horse just looks a little slow comparatively, but the one is definitely interesting for sure. Patrick, I'll let you end off. You have the number four in second. Long Crow, Asmussen, Gaffleon, Calumet. Definitely can't necessarily go wrong with those connections. No, exactly right. And um, the last race, I'm not really sure uh, what, what went wrong for the horse. Just the horse did not really show up. Um, and it got a 57 buyer and had a 76 buyer two back. But, you know, it didn't really, you know, improved, but didn't run great. Um, but I just think that the buyers fit here and um, Asmussen can do, you know, different things with this horse and the connections are as solid as they come. I mean, I like I said, I have absolutely no complaints about that at all. This horse just really hasn't shown too much. And the time that he did show anything yeah. was in a very hot pace at Oaklawn. Granted, Racing is way higher competition, but takes the drop to 50 last time out of Churchill and runs basically nowhere at two to one. So I I just couldn't justify taking this horse. And this horse might even get bet down a little bit more. Probably not considering four to one's pretty low. Um, but Asmussen, Gaffleone, Calumet, that those connections alone are gonna take a bunch of money. Um, as they def as they should, but um it's just not something I'm willing to take a um a uh, flyer on especially at a low price um like this so guys we're well, gonna move on flyers, i see you at a you had a 15 to one in your top three i do the have the, 
I have the number five long shadow for. I got to know why because you're, you're known for chalk. So they have a 15 to one. Hey, I mean, look. So this is what I'll say about um, this is long shadow for Kelsey Danner and James and Adam Biskitza, excuse me, as I used to call him back in the day, Bishizzle my nizzle. But um, <laughs> this horse was bet down to Wait. three to one in his last race. Seven furlongs at Keeneland. I'll play the I'll play the start for you. Realistically, this horse got a 15 buyer, but I'll give you just I'll let you watch the first ten, you know, ten seconds of this race. You can see oh. on the outside the number seven. You can see exactly where this horse just absolutely loses this race immediately. Puts its nose in the dirt for a good two seconds. And right here, I mean, what does he lose? Three, four lengths on the leaders, five lengths on the leaders. Granted, does absolutely no running after this, but I mean, that was a, for a horse that likes to be a little bit put into the race, likes the aggressiveness for a horse to be that far out. I, it's just not something that this horse is welcome to do. I like the drop down. Um, this is, I mean, realistically, it is a flyer. This is a horse that can pick up the pieces if it comes down to the fact. But 15 to 1, I actually didn't know that as, horse as would be 15 say, to 1. would never talk you off a 15 to 1 horse. And I got to win under our, my, my boy Rocco Bowen, Arlington legend again. Arlington legend Rocco Bowen. But this was never raced at Churchill, but has raced at Tampa, which is semi-like. I mean, Tampa's really hard and really uh, deep of a racetrack, very speed favoring. But if this horse can get back in the saddle of, a, of around the 75 buyer, I don't see why this horse can't be in the money. And at 15 to 1, I think – extremely extremely uh interesting underneath so guys i'm going to switch up and go to our pick fives now but first first off the boss says gotta go watch tomorrow's night tomorrow night's podcast 8 p.m eastern previewing previewing really good santa anita late pick five with two graded stakes and a special guest yet to be announced so you heard it here first i'm betting and booze and there will be a special guest tomorrow for the flagship show on the hhh Racing podcast, 8 p.m. Eastern Thursday night. Do not want to miss it. Tony, I'm going to be honest, complete host fail. I forgot to add your pick five into it, so I'll let you go second in this one. But, Charlie, you're going to go first because you're of what I have first on here. Charlie has a $36 pick five ticket. It is 1-4 with 4-6-7 with 2-3-5 with 2-6 with 1-7. No singles, but a pretty cheap ticket in $36. Charlie, go ahead. Talk about your ticket. Yeah, so for me, I just even though I did say some of these races are weaker, I didn't want to go big spread on any race simply because they're not big fields. But I also felt for me that, you know, again, with, you know, there being some heavier favorites that I did back, again, these aren't great races. So for me, I would like to spread it out a little bit and still on a very reasonable budget, find some prices that could very well potentially win. I just didn't think there was a single race where there was a horse that absolutely couldn't win. And then, you know, for the one featured race, as much as I do like the Wesley horse and I have that natural bias, um, again, Babby Bryan has just had such good form lately and love Chris Amy. So I just couldn't leave Babby Bryan off my ticket. Didn't want to take that chance. And I was close to putting Smoke and Jay on there as well. The problem for me, though, was I just felt like if Wesley does win, there's just no money to be made at that point on my ticket. And I am trying to provide our audience some value. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of the other races, kind of just stuck with my top three picks. Uh, again, even though I did talk about why I like the favorites that I did, it seemed like two of the favorites that I really did like um, were horses where they were kind of like with that, uh, the two horse, um, from Minnesota and then the four horse, uh, that was $800,000. Those both feel like they're kind of in must win spots. Um, and then, you know, I did earlier on include that first time starter. Cause you know, you never know what these kind of races. Uh, and then again, tried to go skinnier a little bit later on, hopefully trying to get home and, you know, still be able to make some decent money. 
Um, so I guess, yeah, that was the logic behind my ticket. Yeah, like I said, it's a very cheap ticket. It works really well, except you're dead to me, but we'll get on to that a little bit later. This, my friends, is a ticket I can get behind. Special guest Tony Rollo's ticket, $96, going one, three, four, six with one, four, with two, three, four, five, six, seven. Singling Smoking Jay, going one, five, six, seven in the last. Tony, go ahead and explain why you are correct. Um. I just wanted to spread out as much as I can because if I hit, if I'm right about smoking Jay, it's a ticket that'll cash. Um, the only other race I went somewhat thin is the second leg. And that was the arrogate coming off the grass races. I agreed with what you guys said when I was backstage about the arrogate switching to the dirt. Um, he's a top pick for me in there. Um, if he doesn't win, I took the Asmussen um, dropper just as a backup and then, Spreading in the third leg could have taken them all. Um, same thing in the in the last. I took the three the three horses coming out of the King's Ovation race, plus Long Shadow. As um, if Kelsey wins the last race and I don't have it, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. So I threw Long Shadow in there as well, and hopefully we can make a score on this one with some big prices. I mean, absolutely, especially when we get our ten to one single somehow. Ten to one single that is definitely going to pay if you are alive to the last race. Talk about pretty similar here, Patrick. Yeah, I was going to say extremely that's... similar vein to Tony's pick five. Only sixty dollars, but he has the exact same, basically the exact same t- first three races: one, three, four, six with one four, with two, three, four, five, six with two, with three, four, seven. Again, dead to me. But go ahead, Patrick. Talk about your ticket. Yeah, listen, you know. <laughs> my ticket was getting so expensive. I just wanted to get to the feature of this race and, you know, have a shot. You know, I, I think I'm, you know, clear with the first race going four deep. And then in the second race, Tony hit on exactly what I'm looking at too. Um, and then I went deep, just didn't include the seven. Um, and then, you know, bound for nowhere. I, I just think it's going to be bound for nowhere's day, but Hey, listen, I hope for everybody and the show that smoking comes up on top. Uh, and then in the last leg, I went three, four, seven, that's a tough race. You know, the, the five, you know, starting to listen to you guys about the five, I don't, you know, I don't hate, um, but I, you know, I, I got the logical horses in the final leg of that race. And um, I think the sequence could pay. I mean, it definitely could. I mean, there's a lot of these horse races that, you know, these low level claimings that these long shots definitely have a decent shot, but again, you're going to lose on the fourth leg. So it doesn't matter. Um, but my pick five here, I'm going $67.50 on the ticket. I'm going 136 with 13467 with 235 with 236 and singling Fieldstone on the back end. For me, he's my most likely winner on the card. I think into Jonathan Wong's barn, I think he really gets the setup that he needs in that race. I went top three in the first leg. The three most logical winners, if anyone else wins, it's not for me. I don't like the four. Um, my Bariley, I just think I'm not willing to touch that horse on a short price with be, being nine years old and 62 races deep. The second race, complete spread. That's the main 30. I do love the number one, the Arrogate Colt. I have Steven's horse. I have Steve's horse in there. I have uh, Cote d'Ivoire, which is the Ivory Coast. And also the number three, the number six, my top pick. And the number seven, the first time starter. This race seven. Three most logicals again. I don't necessarily think a lot of these guys are really spread in this race. 
I don't necessarily think there's too many horses that can beat those top three based on numbers alone. Um, so I took a little bit of skinnier approach there. I added bound for nowhere and bad beat Brian. I could, I'm, I just don't think just might, I think just might's best days are behind them. And the two dirt horses have to have to prove it to me, but those other three are extremely logical, especially number three. But, and then like I said, single field saw on the back end guys, we've gone really late today and I apologize, but <laughs> see now that's, that's a good ticket right there. That's a winning ticket. Um, but Howard, thanks so much again for joining the show. And again, tune into his show tomorrow night for the flagship show covering Santa Anita guys. Um, we have gone really long. Um, if you want to hear about sports, um, follow Charlie on Twitter. Cause it really is oh, a Matt. It's a, it's a hoot. It realistically to be <laughs> 90 years old with it. It's pretty funny. So we'll go through and watch him implode as the Suns lose four one. In the West, it's Coast. all right. We lost to the future NBA champions. I, I can live with it. If if you didn't, I don't I don't know who beat I don't know who beats the Nuggets. We took two games with no healthy and the failure's not my goat. MJ's and he got swept. It's hilarious. Well, swept is done. It's so funny, dude. I I mean, if no, if Jokic is thirty percent from three, shooting tomahawks from twenty eight feet, no one's winning. Oh, that that I'm, step back three was hilarious. On God, no one's it. winning if he's hitting tomahawk threes. Tony, thanks so much again for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. And obviously, good luck to you and everyone, everybody else with Smoke and Jay on Friday. And hopefully, with Medway Queen tomorrow, hopefully she gets in. Not shipping. Not, she's not shipping, so she's scratching anyway out the outside. No, we don't think there's any scratches, so we're not going to bother shipping her. Sounds good. So, never mind. Don't listen to me, guys. Listen to the listen to the boss man below me as he has all the answers and I have nothing. So, <laughs> let's, let's get Smoke and Jay home on Friday, guys. And obviously, good luck. To all of you guys with your bets on however you play, uh, Churchill on Friday and everything else on Saturday, it's been your host, Kyle Roscoe, for Jordan episode number 23 of Betting and Booze on the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a good night.